Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada takes the lead in a global initiative against arbitrary detention, but says China is not the target. What we hope this declaration will do is make countries who do use arbitrary detention uh, rethink that as a tool of coercive diplomacy and reconsider that use because it really has no place uh, in the world today. India adds more COVID-19 vaccines to Canada's supply, saying there will be a shipment within a month. We've been continuing to work every single day on getting as many doses as possible, as quickly as possible into Canadians' arms. And how much influence will the pandemic have on the next federal budget? It will be carved out with enormous attention to the NDP, which have been helping prop up the Liberals, but not so much as to send people rushing over to the Conservatives. It's Tuesday, February 16th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for joining us today. Happy Snow Day, Mark, which, <laughs> in Ottawa, which yeah. looks a lot like Happy Pandemic Day. Yeah, another day uh, of lots of kids being inside and that sort of thing. Um, yep. So uh, we'll get to vaccines and the latest on the pandemic in a moment, including the impact it's going to have on the approaching federal budget. But let's start with Canada's relationship with China and this declaration that Canada spearheaded and uh, more than 50 countries participated in uh, that condemns the uh, the use of arbitrary detention. And uh, it's interesting because China had a very strong reaction to that declaration. And then Mark Garneau, the foreign affairs minister, said, well, it wasn't about China, but it's hard to ignore the, the connection here, the relevance of this, when there are two Canadians who have been arbitrary, uh, arbitrarily detained in China. Yes. Uh, Of course, it was about China. That's the whole reason that China reacted, calling it megaphone diplomacy, uh, which it was. This is everybody stating all the obvious truths about this. As you said, we have two Canadians who have been more than two years over there, arbitrarily detained. uh, And it is Canada's, I guess, this would be an escalation and in in demands for the release of the two Michaels. This def- China is right to read it as such. I'm not sure about its effectiveness. Canada's big gamble in all of this. A lot is going on behind the scenes. We do know that. But we, uh, publicly, it has been enormously frustrating for Canada because it has sort of tiptoed around things. It, less so lately. I do think when I first saw it on the weekend, that it was a sign that Joe Biden was in the White House and that we are going to see different things happening now on the international stage about China because Trump is gone and Biden is in there. Biden has been saying that he is going to reconnect the United States to the rest of the world. And while we don't know whether the United States was part of that, we do know that the United States, uh, we do know the United States is, is, uh, is going to be, more forceful in helping Canada in this. I think that's the optimistic way of of reading this declaration, even if we did, we are still tiptoeing around the obvious. Yeah. So do you think something might be imminent after a very long period of time where there was speculation, there were obviously things going on behind the scenes, not a lot said publicly, 
do you think that that there's evidence that things are lining up towards a conclusion? There's evidence that something has changed. There are more consular visits now. We do seem to be having more access to them, but I don't know. This has moved at glacial speed, and I do think that the unknown factor, the X factor in all of this is whether Joe Biden and and the new Biden administration will do something about Meng Wanzhou, who is not arbitrarily detained at all and is 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 waltzing around uh in, in a very very limited form of detention and it's it's not comparable situations at, at all but i i think the um i think that's the next steps we're going to be waiting to see i i do think things are happening i don't i just don't know that a mm. conclusion is imminent right All right, let's turn to the vaccine discussion. And uh, there is a new poll out this morning from Leger that shows almost 7 in 10 Canadians believe that uh, Canada is behind on vaccine deliveries because of the federal government's inability to obtain doses on the global market. So uh, Canadians blame the federal government more so than provincial governments for the delays in vaccine delivery. Uh, It does appear as though some things about that are going to change soon, that there are deliveries on their way. There have been some developments on that. So where do you think we stand on this at the moment? I do think this this is a, we were always told this was going to be a rough couple of months. And this is where we see Canadians venting their, their, you know, the, their angst and frustration. Uh, it's the Fed, I, I, it is not just a political debate. It is a public health debate. And people are getting anxious, tired, frustrated, and they want to blame somebody for the fact that this pandemic goes on. I think we're, we, we are in a very tense race at the moment, too, and people can feel that. These variants that are out there are are um, wrecking elections, as we saw in Newfoundland over the weekend, they they move really quickly. So, and they're moving a lot quicker than the vaccines. So we're in this really tough race between getting vaccines into people, which still, you know, uh, significant numbers won't start to be immunized until April, May, and June, and these variants that are out there. And, uh, I've I've seen so much on social media, so many people discussing how uh, frustrated and tired and sad and angry they are that this is going on. We're coming up to a year, which is a significant milepost for people, and the federal government is getting the blame for it. Again, though, this isn't just an election equation, although I would say what happened in Newfoundland over the weekend will definitely have changed if there was any hawks for an election left in politics, I would say what happened in Newfoundland over the weekend uh, will uh, dissuade anybody from... Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the odds of, of a spring water. election, I think, are going down. Anything's still possible, obviously. But, um, but yeah. yeah, what happened in Newfoundland and Labrador and the late procurement of vaccines has probably reduced the likelihood of that. Um but do you think that the view will change once we once we have the vaccines, or will there still be a lingering kind of frustration with how long it took? It's difficult to say. I think Justin Trudeau's support in uh, is 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 weak. 
you know, it's um, it, it's fragile. And, you know, he got a lot of points for um, for the way he managed the pandemic in the early stages. And he's getting sort of the reverse now because of the delay in vaccines. I think Justin Trudeau has bounced back from things before. I think that would be the Liberals' view is that people said, you know, the We Charity um, debacle last summer was going to erode support. And then we started to see his numbers go up again. He always has bad months in February. He's sort of become an annual tradition for Justin Trudeau to bottom out in the polls in February, whether it was SNC-Lavalin a few years ago or a couple of years ago, or um, his trip to India or um, last this time last year we were talking about blockades. So his, he, I think what, uh, if I understand the Liberals I'm talking to correctly, what they're saying is, you know what, we've been down before, we'll get back up, and this vaccine delay will be a hiccup. But they were out last week trying to fix that and shore yeah. that up. If we're seeing those numbers, they certainly are. And what impact do you think all of this will have on the budget, which we expect in the weeks ahead? Christia Freeland, the finance minister, will be uh, presenting her first budget. Um, uh, of course, it's been a long time since we've had a budget in this country. Uh, so what impact do you think all of this is going to have on, on federal finances? We have some picture of that, but not the whole story. I think you're going to see the the budget being designed, of course, with an election in mind, where, uh, first of all, a vote on this budget could tip us into an election. So I think it, it will be being carved out with enormous attention to the NDP, which have been helping uh, prop up the Liberals, but not not so much as to send people rushing over to the Conservatives. It's a, it's a really delicate dance. But I think... Canadians are still in a frame of mind that uh, we've got to fix this. I don't know that um, they, they're they worried about a pandemic happening again. They're worried about their livelihoods. They're worried about the damage this has caused. I think the budget coming out this year is very different than a budget that would have come out, you know, early in the pandemic. I think they... I don't know in what ways Canadians have become more conservative and more afraid, but I think the budget is going to speak to that, uh, sort of the the psychological as well as the financial toll it's taken on the country. All right. We will see what this week brings as Parliament resumes today. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. We can't return to normal, not yet. Not while our hospitals could still be overwhelmed. But we can transition out of the province-wide shutdown. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Bruce Arthur asks if a third wave is around the corner as some provinces begin relaxing restrictions. Arthur writes, More transmissible variants are already popping up all over. Variants are estimated to make up between 5 and 10% of cases now. In other words, we're not only already late in applying a break, we're hitting the gas instead. And despite the best efforts of many in the public health and medical community, we are still chasing a virus that rolled upwards here from September to January, except it now runs about 40% faster. In the Globe and Mail, André Picard argues Canada's nursing shortage is a gaping wound in our healthcare system. Picard writes, COVID-19 did not cause the nursing shortage. 
but it did supercharge the crisis. With the population growing older, the demand for health care is climbing steadily. The nursing workforce is aging too. But the work environment is a much bigger problem. Like many public policy failures that have come to light during COVID-19, the nursing shortage has been the subject of much thumb-sucking for decades. Report after report has been written, much earnest head-nodding has ensued, and then nothing really happens until a crisis hits. In the National Post, Angela Johnson warns of a coming epidemic of mental illness. Johnson writes, If we think we're paying the price for underfunding long-term care in Canada, just wait till the epidemic of mental illness sweeps our land this summer. By then, our already stretched mental health care system could be on the verge of collapse. We're learning from the tragedies in our long-term care homes what happens when we chronically underfund the care of an entire group of Canadians. Now is the time for our governments to get them the help they need, rather than waiting until next summer when the epidemic will be full on us. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. This afternoon, MPs will vote on a Conservative Opposition Day motion calling on the government to create a special House of Commons committee to study Canada-U.S. relations. Martin Stringer has more on that. Mark, the Conservative motion to be voted on today calls on the House of Commons to create a special committee specifically dedicated to studying Canada's economic relations with the U.S. This initiative is reminiscent of one of the first acts of this minority parliament when the majority of MPs, dominated by opposition parties, supported a Conservative proposal to create a special Commons committee to study Canada-China relations. That committee has since become a preferred venue for the opposition parties to grill the government on its increasingly difficult relations with China. All indications are that the opposition parties will succeed again in voting to create this special committee. Interestingly, during the initial debate on the idea, Liberal MPs spoke favourably about the proposal, perhaps thinking that this also could be a good chance for the government to showcase its good relations with the United States. The only thing is, Mark, this motion calls on the committee to specifically examine and produce reports on two upcoming sticking points, U.S. President Joe Biden's proposed Buy American Policies and the U.S. plans to cancel the Enbridge Line 5 pipeline to Canada. So the government may not have as easy a ride as it hopes once this committee is up and running. Thanks, Martin. Also today... The Prime Minister will begin the day speaking with the President of the European Commission. He will then join Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland, Public Safety Minister Bill Blair, and Justice Minister David Lametti for a news conference. This afternoon, the Prime Minister will attend question period. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will hold a news conference in Ottawa. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will also hold a news conference in Ottawa. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will speak about the NDP's plan to get Canadians vaccinated. Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will take part in a virtual event hosted by the Montreal Council on Foreign Relations. And Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau will hold a news conference about economic investments in Quebec businesses. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, February the 16th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.